All right. Hey, good morning. Welcome to River Ridge Church. How's everybody doing? All right. Hey, if you're watching online or listening online, glad you're tuning in. Excited for what God has for us this morning. So we are in week two of the Elephant in the Room series. And uh, did anybody notice an elephant in the room today? So on the count of three, point to the elephant. Like, oh my goodness, there's an elephant up there. Who knew? Yep. So the mysterious elephant. Amazing how that thing can climb up there on a ladder. Hey, uh, so we are um, in week two of a five-week series, and uh, this week, next week, and then week four um, are all four, or all three of these messages are especially kind of heavy messages. We are going to be dealing with a, quote-unquote, a very large elephant each of these weeks. And so that is kind of heavy for me and hard for me. And so I actually wanted to start, uh, instead of talking about an elephant, I'm going to talk about my dog Bailey for just a minute, because she's easier to talk about than some of these elephants, if you would indulge me for a few minutes. So uh, if you were here back in August, you may remember that we did a series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And we gave everybody a card that looked like this. uh, And then on the other side, it says, go pray, go love, go invite. And so this is where, this is my prayer list for people that I'm trying to, that I am praying for and seeking for opportunities to love and seeking for opportunities to invite them to come to church or invite into conversations about Jesus. So if you didn't get one of these, they're on the guest central, uh, welcome center out there. Uh, but as part of this series, we talked about what does it mean to be a good neighbor? And I recognized that I was not being a good neighbor to the physical geographic neighbors around me, uh, in large part because of our dog, Bailey. So our dog, we don't have a fence, um, and Bailey tends to wander around the neighborhood from time to time, and especially on Wednesday nights because Thursday morning is trash day. And so she wanders out and no doubt eats people's trash, and it comes in one end and out the other end, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, in the neighbor's yards. And I'm like, that's not being a good neighbor. And so we decided, you know what we need to do? We need to get an invisible fence to keep our dog in our boundaries. And so we tried this like maybe three and a half, four years ago with her. It was one of those in-ground things, but it just didn't work. We kind of messed up her training or she failed or something. So, and we gave that up, but this time we got one of those. It's like a block that sits in the middle of our house and it transmits this big radius type of thing um, and she can't leave that. And so I begin the training for Bailey on the first day uh, and I just have her uh, like a leash on her regular collar and I take her, basically they say, take her to the take your dog to like the little boundary flag. So we put the flags in, take her to the flag. I bring her back. I reward her. I'm like, hey, good job, good job. Way to go, Bailey. And we do that and kind of introduce her to the flags and the concept of staying away from the flags. Uh, and then the next day, I put, or the next training session, I put the collar on her. And so it's just on beat mode, right? It's not on correction mode. We all know what that means, like shock your dog, right? But so it's on correction mode. Um, And so it just beeps. And so I take her up to the flag, it beeps, and then I pull her away and I reward her with a a treat. And then I go back to the flag and she'll have nothing to do with it. I don't know if it was the train that we messed up three years ago or something, but she's like, I'm not going near that flag. And it was just funny to me. And so I wanted to capture on video. So this is my dog trying to get trained on the invisible fence. Come on, 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 come on,
<laughs> so, I don't know if she's trained or stunned or what, but when she's got that little collar on, like she doesn't even leave the porch. So, I think we've overtrained her or something. Um, so, again, just a funny story about my dog, but it does have kind of an illustration, and, and it's this. is So, Bailey wanted nothing to do with those flags. She was like, I don't know what those flags are about, but I am staying away from them. And over the next three weeks in this series, we're going to be talking about some huge elephants. We're going to be talking, this we're talking about, are all religions the same? Or put a little bit different way, do Christians claim, or does Jesus claim to have the only way to heaven? Everybody else is wrong. Next week, we're going to talk, the title is, uh, Why Are Christians So Judgmental? But we're going to talk about homosexuality, and we're going to kind of ask some questions about that and saying, well, are we as Christians, are we supposed to hate gays, and does God hate gays? And, and that's a pretty big elephant in the room question. It came up probably more than anything else. And then the last week, we're going to talk about suffering. Say, so why does God allow us to suffer? Like, if God is all good and God is all powerful, then why do I go through the suffering? Why does my niece or my aunt or my uncle or whoever go through the suffering? And we're going to talk about that. And you see, those three topics, they are more than just intellectual topics. Those three topics are about the character of God. Because if God is like that, whatever that is, whatever issue, if God is like that, I'm not sure that I want to be close to him. You know, if God is like that, and if our perception of God is wrong, especially if God is like that, I'm going to keep my distance. I'm going to be like your dog, Bailey, and I'm going to get the heck out of there because I don't want to be close to a God like that. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about that. And yeah, there's some intellectual stuff with this, but there's a bigger thing out there of what is God's character and personality, and does it draw us to him? Or do we have misperceptions of who God is, and it is going to repel us away? So this week we're talking about, are all religions the same? And so uh, Easter, last spring, many, many of you submitted cards, these little orange salmon-colored cards, and uh, they say elephant room, and they say, what are your questions? And so we got all kinds of questions. We probably got three or 400 of these cards, and so sorted through them and categorized them and tried to come up with what's the best questions that we can answer. Uh, and so here, uh, there's more than just these four questions on this topic, but this kind of gives you a sampling of where we're going this morning. How do you know that Christianity is the one true and right religion? Another person wrote, what if we are wrong about Jesus being the only way to God? Another question, what makes Christianity different from other religions? And then somebody else wrote, what does it matter what religion I follow? Don't they all basically teach the same thing? So we're going to tackle that this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a, a big elephant, and there are lots of nuances to this and lots of questions. Um, and so, God, as we come before you this morning, God, I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would give me the wise words to say that are your words um, and God, I pray that you would just help us to wrap our brains around this difficult topic so that we might understand you and your character and your love towards us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the question that we have this morning, as well as the kind of a lot of these questions in the elephant in the room questions, we all want them answered, but maybe for slightly different reasons. 
So there are some of you who are here this morning, and you're seeking. You have not yet become a Christian. You're trying to figure out, do I want to follow Jesus? Do I believe all this stuff? And you're asking those questions. And this, or maybe some of the ones coming up, may be questions that you want answered about what faith is, and do you want to have faith like this? For some of you in this room, that you're asking these questions, and you're sort of like my dog Bailey, where you're going, I'm not sure what God is like, and if God is like that, I'm, I'm going to keep my distance a little bit. And so this is helpful for you to see who God is and what God's character is. And then I know for a lot of you that you want to be able to answer these questions better because you're having these conversations as you go about life, whether it be at a, you know, a lunch with a friend or around the water cooler. The offices even have water coolers anymore, but you know, that expression, right? You know, or as you're driving, but people at family say, do you believe this? Does your church believe that? And you want to have better answers to some of these tough questions. And I think that this morning's message will help you do that as well as these next two messages. So this is what Jesus says, this question about all religions being the same, and this question about is Jesus the only way. This is in John 14, chapter 6. Jesus said to him, he's answering a man named Thomas, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus here states pretty clearly, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't say, I am a way, I am one of many truths, I am an option for you. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and sometimes when we, and this goes for so many of the questions, but sometimes when we are in conversations with people, we may feel attacked like, you really believe that? You really think that? And, and I think it's helpful to, to, especially on this one, to say, this is not what I think or my opinion. This is not what River Ridge Church or River Ridge's opinion. This is not what the church says or the church's opinion, the church universal. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That sounds pretty exclusive. Because if he says, I am the way, that means that by exclusion or by process of elimination, the other religions are not the way through Jesus. And I think for a lot of us, that is difficult to hear. Because we live in this pluralistic society where everybody has an opinion, everybody's opinion is valid, and everything is okay. And you, if, that's, if you believe that and that's good for you and it's helpful for you, then, then go that direction. And if you believe this or you think that, then, then go that direction. Sort of like foods. Like if you think Chinese food is better than Mexican food, then that's great for you. If you think that this religion is better than that religion, then, then, then great for you. We live in this pluralistic society. And so when we take that pluralistic society, we say, well, that, it's sort of like all these religions are equally valid. And sometimes the example is used of God is like at the top of a mountain, and you can take this path through this religion, or this path through this religion, or this path through this religion, or go around back and do this path through this religion, and they all lead to the same place. But yet we read what Jesus says. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so are all religions the same? There's differences. Now, is there some similarities between all the world religions? Yes, Absolutely. You know, are there some good aspects to each of the various world religions? There is. You know, is there overlap between conduct and behavior and morality between the different world religions? There is some overlap. But fundamentally, at the core of all the major world religions, 
there are some fundamental differences. And so what I want us to do this morning is we're going to talk through what are some of those differences because what we're going to find is those differences are conflicting with one another. So if you brought your, or if you came in through the doors, you got a bulletin and uh, there's, you got a paper that looks like this, the outline, but it looks definitely a little bit different this morning than it usually does. And if you want to take this out, we're going to fill this out this morning over the next 15 minutes or so to give us an understanding of the different world religions and what they look like and help us to understand how they're different in, in different ways. So on your outline, kind of on the left side, what I want you to write is, um, I think we've got it up here. There we go. Major world religions. And so you're just going to write these down. So write Hindu, and then you're going to write Islam, Buddhism, Judaism, and then you're going to write Goodism, um, and nobody's really ever heard of Goodism. I actually made that up for today. Um, you're not going to find it in Wikipedia or anything like that. Uh, but as we talk about Goodism, I'll explain what it is as we go along, and I think this will help you to kind of understand a bit of the kind of American worldview that many people have. So that's Goodism. Uh, and then the last one is Christianity. And we're going to talk about, for each one of these, what do they believe in three major categories, Okay. So uh, the next, at the top of the next column, I want you to write the word higher power, okay? And I chose that word intentionally. I didn't use the word God because each of these different world religions have kind of a different view of what God is, and some of them aren't really God. And so higher power works better for that category. So Hindus. Hindus are polytheistic. Uh, and so the major gods that they believe in, they believe in more than one god. As a matter of fact, they believe that there are 33 million gods. Uh, the most notable ones, the more famous ones, I guess you would say, are Vishnu or Krishna, Brahma, and Shiva. If you've heard any of those names, those are kind of major Hindu gods that are to be worshipped. Uh, the next uh, category or world religion is Islam. And so they believe in Allah. And basically, uh, Allah said, uh, the kind of the, the creed is, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Um, then Buddhism, and this is where it gets a bit more slippery, and I put in the word, no God. Uh, they're not really atheists, but the Buddhists don't believe in a God that is sort of personable or noble or engaged in us. It's sort of an, an all-encompassing sort of force, if you will. So that one's a little bit slippery, so I just have that in quotations, no God. The next one, Judaism, uh, believes in Yahweh. So the God of the Old Testament is Yahweh, one God. Uh, and then we have goodism. Um, and this, well, we'll begin to explain what I mean by goodism. And so with goodism, uh, what I have or what you can write down is God in man's image. And so what this is, it's this idea that, that there is a God and I'm not exactly sure what he's like, but what people do kind of in this goodism religion that I'm sort of making up this morning is that I create God in my own image. So whatever I like about, whatever I think about God should be like, then that's the image that I portray or project of God. You know, in the Bible, it says in Genesis, it says God created man in his own image. This is sort of the reverse of man creates God in the image that he likes of him. And I kind of cut and pick and choose, cut and paste the view that I want to have of what I think God is like. That's goodism. And then the last one is Christianity. And in Christianity, we believe in the Trinity. So it's one God expressed in three fully divine or fully God persons of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, 
here's the point that I want us to make with this, is all of these cannot be right. Now, they could all be wrong, but all of them cannot be right. They contradict each other. God can't be one and also 33. God can't exist and also not exist. There is a God or there is not a God. He's either one or he's 33 million. He's either, so we need to understand that these can't coexist with each other. Um, you know, if you look at some of the specifics, you know, Jews reject the divinity of Jesus, but Christians believe that Jesus was in fact God. Um, in the Quran, if you could just pull out your Quran for a quick moment. Nobody brought a Quran this morning? Okay, I'll read from mine. Uh, so this is in Surah chapter 4, verse 171. It says, The Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary, was but a messenger of Allah and his word, which he directed to Mary, and a soul created at a command from him. So believe in Allah and his messengers, and do not say three. Deus, so he's kind of referring to the reader, Deus, so someone who believes in God, it is better for you indeed. Allah is but one God. So the three here is, and the, the Quran was written after the time of Jesus. He's saying there is no trinity, there is no three, just believe in one, Allah. So he's saying Jesus is not divine, is not God, the Holy Spirit is not divine, it's only Allah. So again, we look at that and we say that contradicts Christianity. They both can't be correct. Ultimate destiny. So let's look at this category. So Hindus believe in reincarnation. So whatever you do in this life, if you do better, or if you do well in this life, then you come back better in the next. If you do worse, you come back worse in the next. And it's for all of creation. So for example, like let's say you're a cat, right? And you do really good cat things in this life. So the next life you come back as a dog, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody knows that, right? Right? So, uh, and then, like, let's say you're a cat and you do really poorly in this world, right? You would come back as a, a mouse, probably, yeah, or a rat or something like that, right? So you kind of, depending how you do it, you go up or you go down. And I know there's some cat lovers out there. Save the hate mail for somebody who cares. Um, <laughs> who said that? Um, about, like, six months ago, I got, like, 50 letters from somebody who loved cats. They were all cat memes. It was really funny. So, um, but if in reincarnation you keep doing well and well and get to the very top, the ultimate end is what's called moksha. And moksha is not like heaven. It's more like being one with the universe. Um, and the Hindu, in the Hindu writing, they compare it to, it's as though you are a drop of water and you get dropped in the ocean and now you are absorbed into the ocean. And so that's what they look like in terms of the Hindu ultimate destiny. Uh, Islam, it's either you end up in paradise or you end up in hell. Uh, Buddhism, does anybody know the ultimate destiny for Buddhists? Any 80s uh, rock band fans out there? Nirvana is the answer to that one. So uh, Buddhists end up in nirvana. Uh, and this is not really so much a place as a state of being. Um, it's where people, uh, somebody in the state of nirvana is released from kind of all needs and desires and suffering. They're released from all of that. It's where you don't want anything at all. Uh, Judaism is a bit of a mystery. 
Uh, because you look at the Old Testament, and there's not a whole lot written about what happens after you die in the Old Testament. We can read the New Testament. We can read back on some things in the Old Testament and maybe get a flavor for what they could have believed. Um, So I have question marks for that one. Um, And then goodism. Uh, Again, this is Matt's religion that he's sort of, I'm not saying, I'm not promoting this. I'm just saying you get it, right? Um, But goodism is basically good people go to heaven. And pretty much everybody is good, and only really bad people go to hell. And so that's why I have good or heaven in big letters and then hell in small letters. Uh, and then Christianity is that everybody ends up in either heaven or hell. Again, I share this with you because I want you to understand that these world religions, they contradict each other. Two of them cannot both be true at the same time. And we need to recognize that. Not saying that this is right and that's wrong, but the fact is that one is right and the others are wrong. They all can't be correct. Here's the last category, and I've titled it Getting to There. And I put there, or basically ultimate destiny of getting to there, is that every uh, religion has a, you know, how do we get to what the ultimate destiny is? And so in Hindu, um, it is the four yogas, or the four disciplines. You don't need to write these down, but I'll give them to you. Um, It's the way of knowledge, the way of action, the way of meditation, and the way of devotion. Um, And so if you do those four things well, then your destiny is you go up a level in terms of Hindu reincarnation. Uh, Islam. There are five pillars of Islam. Uh, The first is the statement of faith, which is uh, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. Uh, And then the next pillar is saying prayers five times a day. So if you've ever been in a, uh, like a Muslim area, you'll hear like a a call to prayer go over the loudspeaker and then everybody um, joins together and does these five prayers. The third pillar is giving money, giving alms, giving money to the poor. Um, And so they actually, in Islam, you give 140th of your income to the poor or to the, you know, kind of the religious order, so to speak. Um, and in, in Christianity, we talk about one-tenth, so if you're looking to kind of, you know, downscale your giving, that'd be an option for you. <laughs> sort of funny, not really. Okay. They, somebody over here thought it was funny. Thank you. Um, and then there's uh, Ramadan as the fourth pillar. Uh, so for 30 days, you don't eat during the day. You only eat at night. It's a daytime fast. Uh, and then the fifth one is a pilgrimage to Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia. And so each Muslim, each person who believes in Islam is supposed to do that one time uh, in their lifetime. Uh, Judaism, we kind of jump it up from uh, to 10, I'm sorry, I missed Buddhism, my bad, eightfold path of Judaism. Um, and here's the eight things. It's the right view, the right resolve, the right speech, the right conduct, the right occupation, the right effort, the right mindfulness, and the right meditation. So that's Eightfold path of Buddhism. Judaism is ten, the Ten Commandments. Uh, or if you want to look at all the commandments in the Bible, there's 613 of those. Now, I want to take a few minutes and talk about goodism, and this will help to kind of explain it a little bit. But in goodism, the ultimate destiny is heaven. But the question is, how do you get to heaven, right? And you have to be good enough to go to heaven. And again, I think this is very prevalent in our culture and our world today of if you're good, good people go to heaven. But if that's the case, then the question is, how good do you have to be in order to go to heaven? Well, about uh, two weeks ago, I was having breakfast with a friend, and he turned me on to this website where you enter your name, and it tells you how good you are 
on the, uh, a scale of zero to five. And pretty much every adult that I looked up is on this thing. And so I, I'm like, I got to find out how good am I? And so this is my score. I'm a 3.25, right? So that's how good I am. Now, um, some, many of you know my wife, Stacy, and my wife, Stacy, she is absolutely awesome. And so I entered her name, and I figured she'd definitely be better than I am on the good scale, and, and in fact, she was. She is a 4.33. No surprise there. She's better than I am. Um, but then I got to thinking about Bruce Moore. So Bruce is our group's pastor here, and like, he's a really good dude. Like, like I speed sometimes. He doesn't speed. Like, I don't always clear my dishes after lunch, staff lunch. He always clears the dishes. Like, every day, he gives me a Diet Coke for my lunch. Like, he is a good dude. I'm thinking, he might pass Stacy. We'll find out. So I looked up Bruce. Oh, and by the way, before we put this up, Bruce has a pseudonym. He actually, his name is actually Robert Bruce Moore, or Robert the Bruce, as he wants us to call him. But anyway, um, Robert Bruce Moore. So this is Robert Moore is a 3.38. Um, so he did not catch Stacy, but he, he outdoes me by um, about a half a point there. And then I thought, who is the best person that I know, and it's Betsy Shock. She's our family ministry course. She is awesome. Like, every afternoon, she is on the west side tutoring kids, mentoring kids. She's starting this thing called Praise Craze, where she's going to do this dance thing to Christian music. Like, she's awesome. On Betsy's day, she gives amazing hugs. That's the thing about Betsy, right? But on her day off, you know what she does is she drives meals for Meals on Wheels. So she delivers meals to shut-ins who can't get out and get their own food. So I'm thinking, like, she's got to be like a 4.9, 4.995, you know, 5. I mean, she, she's up there. Betsy Shock, you ready for this? 2.2. <laughs> I mean, how is that possible, right? And then uh, on, on Thursday, I was, I was running this by Betsy. I'm like, can I do this? Are you okay with this? And she looks at this, she, she goes... How come it says I'm poop? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think that's supposed to say poor. The little arrow just covered the... <laughs> so. So if goodism, how good is good enough? I mean, do you have to be like a 3.5, a 2.0? How do you figure that out? But that's where ultimate destiny is for goodism is if you're good enough, we don't know what good enough is, then you go to heaven. Here's what Christianity says about ultimate destiny and how we get there. This is 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 12. It says this. It says, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So it's about a person. It's about Jesus. It's not about a path. It's not about steps. It's not about being good enough. It's if you have Jesus, then you have eternal life. But if you do not have Jesus, you do not have eternal life. And it's interesting as we look at these and how you get to, the, get to there, you know, again, they contradict each other. It can't be the five this or eight that or ten this or, or whatever. They're different. They contradict each other. But what's interesting about this one, it's a little different than the others as we do the comparative side to side. But the first five are all based on what we do. If I do these three things, or these four things, these five things, these eight things, these ten things, if I do good enough, then I go to heaven. But Christianity is the opposite. 
It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done. That the God of the universe comes down to us on earth. It says the God of heavens left heaven and came down and made his dwelling on earth in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he takes us up to heaven. It's not about us earning our way there. It's about him coming down to us. And that's really what separates Christianity from these other five world religions as far as getting to there. But again, we live in this pluralistic society where we were like, you know, it's really, it's about sincerity. Like if you're a sincere Buddhist, if you're a sincere Islamic, if you're sincere about being good, if you're sincere about being a Christian, if you're sincere, then that's what God measures. Again, we come back to the question of, well, how sincere do you have to be? But the fact is that it's sincerity and truth are very different things. It's not about, you know, how sincere are you? You know, I can be, I sincerely believe that gravity does not affect me. I can sincerely, I can believe that with all of my heart. Gravity does not affect me. I am so sincere about that. But if I step off a 10-story building and splat at the bottom, it doesn't matter how sincere I am. Gravity wins because gravity is true. It doesn't matter how sincere I am. And so we come to this point here where we go, okay, well, what is true? They all can't be true. Now, I, I personally believe, and this is probably no surprise to you, I believe that Christianity is true. But you know what? I could be wrong. Islam could be true. Buddhism could be true. But they all cannot be true because they contradict each other in fundamental ways. And if we are intellectually honest, they could all be wrong. You know, maybe atheism wins the day. And there is no God of any sort. But the question then becomes for us, is which do you believe is true? Because it would be foolishness to say, well, they're all true. Which one is true? As I wrestle with that question myself, and we could spend a lot more time on this. I want to try and wrap it up in just a few minutes. But we could talk about, you know, we could look at the evidence for the resurrection. I know that Christianity is true because Jesus rose from the dead. We look at the prophecies and say there's no way anybody could fulfill these prophecies from the Old Testament to the New, but Jesus did. Or I could share my own story with you about what God has done in my life and say it's true because I have lived it. It's my story. But instead, what I want to do is I want to talk about this question. I think this comes up a lot as we talk about this question of what's fair. Because I believe that Christianity is the most fair of all the religions. And I want to take us to Romans chapter 3. And listen to what this says in Romans chapter 3. This is verse 21. It says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So he's saying, there's not, he's basically saying, it used to be that you tried to get to God by the law. He says, but now there's a righteousness that is from God that is not through the law. It's not through the Ten Commandments. It's not through the eightfold of this. It's not through the five pillars. It's not through the, the four yogas. He's saying there is a way to become righteous that is apart from man doing good, man earning his righteousness. It says the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. It says that there is a righteousness that can be had for everyone, and it is through Jesus Christ. 
What is the requirement? To believe. It says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus. So he's saying it's a gift. It's a gift. So here's what Jesus offers. Everybody's invited. Everybody gets in the same way. And everybody can meet the requirement. What can be more fair than that? Everybody is invited. It doesn't matter who you are or where you live, man or woman, old or young, rich or poor. Everybody is invited into a relationship with Christ. Everybody gets in the same way. doesn't matter if you grew up in a church, didn't grow up in a church. Everybody gets in through Christ. And the last one is everyone can meet their requirement. Everybody can meet the requirement. Because if it's any of these other things, what if you don't get the 10 things in, the five things in? What if you don't make this trip? But in Christianity, everybody can meet the requirement because the requirement is simply this, is saying yes to Jesus Christ. I want to close by looking um, a bit, just for a moment, at the character of God in two stories. If you're familiar with the Bible, there's a story called the prodigal son. Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, and it's a picture of what the father is like, of what God is like. And so in the story that Jesus tells, the younger son comes to the father and says, I want my inheritance now. I don't want to wait till you die. Just give it to me now. Basically saying, I wish you were dead. He goes and he spends all of the money. He says he squanders it in wild living, and his situation is so bad that he ends up feeding pigs. It's like, oh, I just want to go back. I could be one of my father's hired hands, and I would do so much better than trying and longing to eat pig slop. And so he goes back, and he has this speech where he's going to apologize and say he's sorry, but he doesn't even get to that, and the father welcomes him back. He says, I'm so glad you are my son. He kills the fatted calf, puts a ring on his finger, he puts a robe on him, he says, welcome back. That's a picture of God's grace. There's a Buddhist book called Lotus Sutra. And in chapter four, it says this, and it's, it's a very similar story of a guy, it's a son who wanders off and ends up kind of getting to the end of his rope, and he wants to come back to his father. And it says this, but after many years, the son had forgotten where the father lived and without realizing what he was doing, returned to the father's house and asked for work, very much the same that the prodigal son had planned to do. But then it says this, So the father instructed his steward to give his son the task of cleaning the latrines. And then it goes on after that. So his father allowed him to come back, but he said, first, you're going to clean the latrines. And then he worked his way up, and eventually the father revealed that he was his father. But he has to work his way to get to God. And I think that's such a beautiful picture with the prodigal son set in contrast, that you don't have to work for your salvation. The God of the universe forgives you right where you are. You don't have to get yourself cleaned up or any of that, that God comes down in the form of Jesus and says, would you come with me to heaven? And all that we do is we say yes to the gift that God is offering to us. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Christ, maybe you've been following goodism. Maybe you have dabbled in what's the right religion. Maybe you thought for a long time they're all the same. This morning, I want to give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. It's accepting the gift. And all it is is reflected in a prayer where you would say that it's maybe something like this. 
I admit that I am sinful and that I cannot be good enough to get to you. I believe that you sent Jesus to earth to be my Savior. I believe that he lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the dead. And I now place my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, that I might have eternal life in heaven and abundant life on earth. The words are not magical or special. It's you expressing that desire in your own heart. And if today you have not placed your faith in Christ, I invite you to do that. I just want to have a moment of silence and then I'll close it in prayer. But if you want to receive Christ, I encourage you to put those into your own words as you say that prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you that you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins because you want us to go to heaven and to be with you for eternity. Thank you that we don't have to earn it or do anything, that we just receive the grace, receive the gift from you. God, we are thankful for your love this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.